Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Last time Missouri inbounded it deep and still got it up with 15 seconds left. Here's Geist. Geist has to be careful. Dunham has, again, active hands. They run out on Geist, clock at seven. Van Leer trying to get free, clock at four. Van Leer gives it up. Hurrier for the win. Oh, my This is the Mazodcast. Howdy, Tiger fans, and welcome to a special emergency edition of the Mazodcast. I'm your host, Brennan Anthony. With me, as always, is uh, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum dums? And we're here to talk about a lot of things, really, Colin. Uh, in the last week, Jim Sterk did what no one was surprised by and uh, fired Kim Anderson after another dismal season at the helm of Mizzou basketball. And then the SEC tournament started last night, and uh, I think you know dozens of people were watching Missouri with high hopes of uh, of them not doing anything. And uh, there was a an interesting and celebratory moment for the Tigers. They beat Auburn with a buzzer beater in overtime. Well, really, they had to have like a, a buzzer beater to get to overtime. If they hit two clutch shots in that game, that's two more than they've had in three years. <laughs> yes, um, yeah. So that's huge production. Yeah, I mean, they were down by like five points with thirty seconds to go, and they really it was it really was kind of a miracle game, and uh, you know the Tigers prevailed, and it was a great send off for Kim Anderson because I think we've talked about it in the past. While we were very eager for him to not be the head coach anymore, he was well liked by all, and I feel like the people who were supporting Kim Anderson that was their their literally their only point was that he's nice, so we should let him keep coaching because he's nice. Yeah, well, you know that's pretty down on the list of things you're looking for in a coach is nice yeah I don't, um, unfortunately I, I don't think anybody ever said uh, oh that uh, that bobby knight fella boy he's a swell guy but he seemed to win games yeah. despite it a real gregarious fellow uh full of full of uh, vim and verb just wonderful Yep, and then uh, Kim, after the game, very excited and celebratory, he uh, unleashed a, a little moment of exuberance and shouted it into the into the uh, microphones of the SEC network, stick it up their fucking ass. 
Yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> stick it up their fucking ass. <laughs> Most excited I've ever seen Kim Anderson when he told us all this. Stick yeah. it up their fucking ass. I personally felt like that was directed at me as much shit as I'd given him. Well, and you know what? It's, it uh, makes me feel more like he uh, would appreciate the Mazad cast. <laughs> That's right. Should he listen? He might. Maybe we can join in and replace Brian Goers. Brian. Yeah. Oh, wouldn't be a bad thing. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, they both bring about the same thing to the table, I feel like. Yeah. So, I mean, technically, I guess the uh, Tigers have a chance of winning out the SEC tournament and then getting sent to the uh, the big show, the uh, March Madness dance, and then uh, winning that and, and being national champion. You know, that's not out of the yeah. question now. No, no, it's still, the dream's still alive. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, they fired him and then let him coach in the SEC tournament, which speaks to the fact that they liked him and he's, you know, a Mizzou guy. And it was, um, I heard uh, Ben Fredrickson, uh, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, saying that it, the, the, re, the timing was really, they told Ken Harrison, you know, he's not going to be retained and kind of gave him the option. Uh, when we want to announce it, he said, well, just get it out of the way. I don't need to, you know, fuck around with it anymore. So he, he was perfectly okay with um, going out and telling everybody he got shit canned and then going out and coaching the SEC tournament. When he got fired, though, I was just, you know, everybody was on Twitter, you know, the, the press box super friends out there saying, no one should celebrate this. Meanwhile, back with the press box super friends. No one, no one should be happy about this from a certain stage because he's such a nice guy. And I was like, I guess I'm a fucking monster because I'm ecstatic that he got fired. You are you know, I mean, like, I, I, yeah, I'm a monster, but it, I just I can't believe like like okay, Dad, I won't I won't cheer. You know what I mean? Like whatever. Yeah, I mean, rooting for Mizzou does not mean you have to root for their head coach for eternity. You know what I mean? Like the, the, there will be other head coaches after the new one we hire, and the, so it's like I don't understand. With the, with the Auburn win, he's had twenty-seven victories for his career at Mizzou in three years. Yeah, there are several teams that will get that in one season. You know what I mean? Like twenty-seven wins. It's no one can no one can uh, debate that he should have been fired. Mm-hmm. In my mind, no one can make a reasonable argument that he should have been fired. You know, everyone who is is, is for it, for him keeping him around, or thinks he legitimately deserves more time, are also the same people that believe you know, harebrained conspiracy theory horseshit. You know what I mean? It's just if you're just going to will be willfully ignorance about facts, then then yes, Kim Anderson should be your coach indefinitely. But he was a terrible coach. Yeah, terrible. Kim Anderson truthers be damned. You know, yeah. I, I said that the, that their only argument was that he was a nice guy. The the real argument people gave was that he entered with a terrible situation under his hands. And there's no question, it, he, when he became their head coach, uh, Haith left the cupboard bare. There was a lot of problems. They had the self-imposed sanctions last year. But, the the you know, the thing is, you get two years of that. You get two years of shit is bad. And I gotta, I gotta dig myself out of it. Year three, you got your own players. You know, at least the least you can expect is improvement. And it got worse. This is, this is not his first year with all the Haith problems. You know, this is, this is his first year with his own problems. And things got worse. So I, there's no, literally no yeah. argument where, where because he's a nice guy and because things were bad that he should get a fourth year. You know. Well, I don't think you even have to put a year cap on it. You know, it's like, well, the first two years are. You can blame Hayes third year you can't. I think that's well, it's true. It's like really, I think he still had a job. I mean, you can see how popular he is with just the university on the whole in the area because he's a true son. If he would have won seven games his first year and then won ten games the next year and then won fourteen games this year, we'll maybe fucking you know throw a six cake break or fourteen wins, but at least it would have shown progressive improvement through three seasons. And he just continually got worse. 
Uh, you know, the best players leave the team. He can't retain talent. He can't recruit talent. I mean, he really only has, he's a nice guy, and has a feather in his cap. Yeah. And then the recruiting is as, as damning as anything, I think. I mean, the the wins weren't there, but there was no prospect of wins coming because he wasn't getting good players. So at some point, you got to cut your losses, and that's what the Tigers did. And that really gets us to our next point, besides uh, C'est la vie, Kim Anderson, is who will be the next coach. And there's a lot of rumors floating around now. And I think the, the latest heap of rumors is that uh, Tom Crean at Indiana is in conversations with Jim Sterk about this. It's based on totally nothing. And this really gets to the point for me where I look at coaching changes and coaching hires in a lot of the same light. I look at recruiting news in that it's, it's not even worth your it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact fucking time because until it happens you don't know what happens a lot of people pay you know hundreds of dollars to get on message boards and try to find the get the scoop but ultimately no matter whether you're paying you know rivals.com for for inside dope or not you get you hear about it at the same time everybody else does because twitter exists and those things and so there's no advantage i know that really bumps up sales for those sorts of message boards whenever there's recruiting time or coaching hires but I don't think there's any merit in it because when was the last time you heard of anybody learning anything in advance by more than 20 seconds? Well, my, my thought is, with, they, with especially with Mizzou's beat reporters, I, I can't imagine that even if they found out early if someone told them not to say anything, they would. You know what I mean? Like, uh, there's no shortage of stories that we've heard that we can verify that just don't get reported. Right. <laughs> because it may reflect poorly on the program and, and our, our you know, beat reporters are just content to let those stories lie because I would hate to uh, get on the wrong side of anybody. It's like, Oh, but it's kind of your job. But uh, (laughs) you know, it's the, uh, yeah, I, you know, the two names I keep hearing are Conzo Martin and cream from uh, Indiana and uh, are the two like one and one a choices. And uh, I honestly would be probably happy with either one of those based on what I've heard about them. Uh, Conzo Martin is a East St. Louis guy who uh, they think can knock down the door in Saint, for St. Louis prospects, which has been, a tr- been trouble for Mizzou since the North Stewart days. Right. You know, the, the best talent in St. Louis is not coming to uh, Mizzou usually. Yeah. You know, I mean, that would be nice, and he's, he's, um, he's done a lot with not very much. I think is the uh, feather in his cap. He's a decent recruiter, but he, he's done a lot with lower-tier recruits. And uh, then you've got Tom Crane from... Indiana, who is, you know, just a proven commodity. He's my favorite just because I want Missouri to hire somebody that you've heard of before. He's like my, somebody with some established, somebody with some established track record. 
The thing I like about Crean is that he did with Indiana what we need someone to do for Missouri. When he came on board, Indiana was a dumpster fire. I think he won six games his first year. Now he's won, you know, I think he won the the Big Ten last season, and now the uh, unreasonable Indiana fans are sick of him because he's won 17 games. 17 wins sounds fucking amazing to us right now. And so, uh, and actually he's recruited Missouri better than Missouri has recruited Missouri. So from a recruiting standpoint, he sounds pretty good as well because he knows the area to some degree uh you know well, i think for him too the, the, the university needs a lightning rod you right. know for the program and he is you that know, while conzo martin may be a good a hire tom cream brings some cachet you know i mean this is a guy who coached at indiana this is a guy who went to a final four with marquette um so you know that's not something you're going to get going just about anywhere else that they're looking at there's uh lorenzo romar's the other name that had been, been bantied about a lot early on because he uh has a lot of top recruits. He's got the Porter brothers reportedly in his pocket. But the problem there is, is that nobody has done less with more. You know, he's the right. exact opposite of Conzo, uh, Conzo Martin. Yeah, and I think the rumor mill got hot on him early and is really cooled off now, and now you hardly hear his name in the mix at all. And I'm perfectly happy with that from just what you just said. Um, well, th- and then, you know, again, Ben Fredrickson from the Post was basically saying that the only reason his name is still being kind of is still in circulation. Apparently there's some big money people at Mizzou, you know, uh, they get to have their say, whether, they, you know, Jim Sturt takes it into consideration or not, who knows, but they get to have a say because they, you know, dump money into the program. And a lot of those people are on the Lorenzo Romar bus. And, uh, but we'll see for how long or right. if that even makes a difference. The other names kind of floating around there, there was a lot of talk about Greg Marshall, but I don't think anybody realistically thinks Greg Marshall's coming to Missouri. Uh, well, they offered him the job before and he turned it down. Right. Of course, it and was. Now a, we're in a much worse situation, <laughs> and so I can't imagine he want it more now. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. It could be argued that we are not in a worse situation now. Obviously, the wins aren't there, but I think we've got. That's a, true. We've that got, is true. We've got a young team. We don't have the uh, possibility of sanctions floating over our head like we did before. You know, we're uh, Frank Frank Haith left. He you know he was under the gun. He wasn't going to get fired that season, but he you know he, he likely was going to get fired the next year because we saw the talent that he was working with. I, you know, I, he he may be smart enough to see the writing on the wall and said, "Hey, I'll stick with Wichita State, where they're throwing tons of money at me and I'm winning." So uh, you know, who knows? Yeah. Although I I think well, a more you know, I think the more likely scenario is that, you know, Crean would maybe come here and then Marshall might go to Indiana. But, again, that some of it hinges on whether Indiana actually fires Tom Crean. I was about to say. Because I just don't see Tom Crean coming to Missouri if Indiana keeps him on board, even if the fans are upset with him. You know, it, it is a, a step down in program status, no question. And so without – Indiana giving him the boot, I, I think Crean might be off the board. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, the fans are stirred up in Indiana, but when you start to look at his resume, he's had some down years, but his resume at most schools would look pretty good. It's just Indiana has expectations that are so high. I mean, if you're not winning the big championship every year, they're disappointed in you. Um, and he's won it a couple times, you know, and he's, uh, he's had, you know, tournament bids and he's, Final he's done well, really. I mean, yeah, I mean, well, that was with Marquette, but still. Yeah. He's a much different scenario than Kim Anderson, I'll say that. You know what I mean? He's, he's had much more success than Kim Anderson. His, his seat is every bit as hot as Kim Anderson's was. I look at uh, I look at Indiana and basketball a lot the same way I look at Georgia and football, which is their expectations don't meet 
what their reality is or what kind of program they are. You know, they've had success in the past and they think that they are, you know, a Kansas or North Carolina caliber program that's, you know, going to be in the hunt every year. They're not They're They are a top tier program, but uh, winning the big 10 every year should be an expectation, but I don't think the final four should be like they think it should be in the same way that Georgia thinks they're a contender for the national title every year. And they fucking aren't, you know? So I, I think the fan bases are both unrealistic in that regard. Same way they got rid of Mark Richt after a nine win season. And, you know, I can see the same thing with Indiana and basketball. Yeah, for sure. And then I, I just think it'll be it'll come down to talent and, and can we get them? Because if that's one thing about uh, Tim Anderson's team is they were completely devoid of it, just completely devoid of it. And um, they've got to get somebody in here. And I think that's why uh, Lorenzo Romar, at least early on, was everybody's favorite. Like, oh, he immediately injects talent into your program. Right. I may not be able to coach a lick, which is what it seems to be the case, but he could immediately inject talent into your program. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and, and when you've been, you know, it's like uh, having a girlfriend with gigantic boobs. There's a part of you that's nostalgic for little boobs, Brennan. And uh, when you've had no talent like Missouri, it makes you nostalgic for big-time names. Yeah, I'm very rarely you nostalgic. Like that analogy? For, yeah, except the, the uh, nostalgic for little boobs is, uh, uh, I think that's a very small part of me. Yeah, yeah, maybe it's a, I'll work on it. <laughs> yeah, it's, let's workshop that. I'll like. workshop it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think at this point, Missouri, uh, I, I think whoever takes a Missouri job, I think they're in a good position because you look at this team and the win total was terrible, but they're, you know, they didn't get blown out a ton. They competed a lot and it was very clear. The thing that they were missing was a firecracker of a player that could score when they needed it. You know, they lost all the close games except for last night and you know, if somebody can inject a little talent in this team, they're not that far off. And they're certainly not that far off from, you know, improving, doubling the to- win total from last year to this yep. year. You know, I think I think a good coach who brings in a couple of strong recruits can l- literally double the win total next year. You know, that's not out of the realm of possibility at all. Well, and I, I, but I, I think, um, like I said, we've, we've talked about Conzo Martin, we talked about uh, Crean. I, I think that there are other candidates, obviously. I mean, we could be surprised. I mean, if you if you go to some of these websites that have, you know, the coach's hot board or whatever you want to call it, they've got 55 people on there, mm-hmm. which, which I think is just a fucking cop-out. Like, I don't know, so I'm just going to cast a wide net. But um, uh, one of the names that was, piqued my interest was I saw Frank Martin. You know, a few people initially, Frank Martin, formerly of Kansas State, now at South Carolina. And, we, you know, South Carolina, he kind of finally got on the tracks and, and going well and uh, why he would be interested. And the curious part that, to me was is that the interest wasn't coming necessarily from Mizzou as much as it was coming from the Frank Martin camp. Is he leveraging Mizzou to make more money, or is he really interested in trying to rebuild our program? But uh, the downside is that he's got an enormous buyout at South Carolina, so that's probably a very big long shot. And the, the fact that it was even mentioned was kind of surprising to me. Well, let me ask you, Colin, do you think the over-under on salary for the next coach will be, I'm going to put it at $4 million. Would you take the over or under on that? I take the under every time if we're talking about Mizzou because there's also a chance, I mean, if you hire Conzo Martin, you're going to be under four. And if you hire, like there's talk of a guy named Kevin Keats and, uh, some, you know, and some other guys who are lower level, lower teams that um, may come to Mizzou and there's no reason you have to pay them $4 million. I am. I, if if they identify a coach, if it's Tom Crean or whomever, and it costs them four million dollars, then they better write the check because it's 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 time. You know, yeah. I mean, they have no excuse. And and Stirk has had no trouble raising money for you know giant football facilities and rebuilds of the stadium. I can't imagine if somebody needed a big fat um, 
signing bonus or a huge salary to come in Mizzou that Sturt couldn't figure out how to get that money um, put in somebody's pocket. So, and I think, you know, most of what I've heard, and nobody knows because Sturt is an absolute vault, um, he talks to no one, but, you know, the, the perception is, is that he is not afraid of the, of the big check and he's not really looking for the upstart. He was, I think, you know, if you believe the rumor mill, his, his choice would probably be Tom Cream too, just based off of, uh, you know, recent success and, and name cachet. Yeah. Because, again, the, the program needs a lightning rod. The program needs something to inspire some enthusiasm. And as much as Conzo Martin may be a good coach, I don't know that you, your fan base is going to be much more divided about that hire than they would somebody like Tom Cream. Yeah, I'm not as worried as I have been in years past about Missouri going cheap on the hire, but I do think it'll have a lot to do with who they are and where they come from. Certainly, if you hire a guy who's been at Indiana, the chances of it being over $4 million or higher than if you hire a guy from UNC Wilmington, you know. So, that I mean, that's going to play into it as much as anything. You know, they've got a they've got one of those uh, those consulting firms who make tons of money to uh, tell you who's in your backyard, like they did with Kim Anderson um, yeah. on the hire. And and the word on the street is that they want to get this done quickly. You know, within two weeks, we will know who the uh, who the new coach is. And the rumors have it that we'll know by the weekend. But I think that seems very very fast to make that kind of hire. But it could happen. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, I think I think. Part of that rumor is based upon the fact that I think Indiana's a bubble team, and uh, if that's their if that's their target, if he's not going to the tournament, you can almost immediately hire him. And there is a chance that even if they don't fire him, um, that he could be hired away. It sounds far fetched to imagine somebody going to Mizzou from Indiana, but I mean, if you look at Frank Hayes, he he went to Tulsa, which is a bad job from Missouri because he knew the writing was on the wall. He could have got another year to Missouri, but he just knew what was coming. And yeah. if Tom Crean is not going to get a contract extension, he knows he's a lame duck, and he knows that the administration is not for him, and you know, it may make sense to just get out in front of it and say, all right, bye, Indiana. And you know, if you look at the Indiana message boards, they'd be all for that. Oh, get yeah. rid of him. I mean, they hate his guts. So yeah. you know, there's, there is that possibility that Crean could actually decide to come to Missouri even without getting the shit canned. Yeah. I wonder if Crean has the kind of uh, blind faith supporters that a guy like uh, Kim Anderson has. I mean, obviously, I think a lot of Kim Anderson's blind support comes from the fact that he came from Missouri. That was a huge factor. But I wonder if there are Indiana fans out there that no matter what Tom Crean does, no matter how many stupid faces he makes and how many games he loses, they are still Crean in their jeans. Yeah. Well, I, I love how when, you know, Kim Anderson got the win last night, you know, the the homers come out of the woodwork, right? And and rub everybody likes to try to rub everybody's nose in that you know the rest of the season hasn't happened. Like this one win uh, out of nowhere inexplainably happens, and you go, "Oh well, you're right. All the other stuff doesn't matter because he won tonight." Yeah. So we should just forget about everything else, and this is justification for him keeping his job. I mean, anything short of him winning the SEC tournament and making like let's say a, a elite eight run. Would, it would, that's what it would take for me to go, okay, maybe we should keep him. Right. But it's just short of that, it's like, fuck it, he's gone. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the the win was great and exciting and good for Kim Anderson and his and morale, but uh, ultimately it means the eighth win of the season. Number eight. He's still going to have yeah. to win two more just to get into double digits for the season. Two more games. And into the tournament, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah. 
Yeah. He's going to have to stick at a lot of people's asses to get, get to where we want him to go. Speaking of that, do you think they're playing Ole Miss tonight? Do you think there's any shot that he could get himself past Ole Miss and into the weekend for uh, the SEC tournament? Well, I mean, as far as matchups for the Tigers go, sure. I mean, they, they both games they played against Ole Miss were close. Yeah. And if the Tigers are feeling a little bit um, of fire in their belly because of their coach's circumstances, then certainly, I mean, Old Miss isn't playing for anything. Their coach isn't going anywhere, and they're not going to go to the, the, the NCAA tournament. And uh, I don't think they have any expectation of winning the SEC title. I mean, it's just uh, Mizzou's. I think there's one of two ways it can always go, and LSU showed you the other way. Their coaches was a lame duck, and uh, uh, they shit the bed and uh, lost badly. And uh, Mizzou went the other way. They're playing for their coach. They're yeah, um, and probably because a lot of these kids know that without Ken Anderson, they wouldn't be on a Division One roster <laughs> right now. <laughs> but uh, you know, so they have a lot of love for him. But you know, it, it's certainly possible. I mean, it, it's it's a good matchup for Mizzou from that standpoint. And I'll, I'll be watching. And uh, in full admission, I didn't watch most of the game yesterday. You know, I watched to about halftime. Mizzou was playing competitive, and then you know, my DVR came calling. I had a new episode of Always Sunny to watch, and a few other things. And, my Twitter box kept beeping at me, telling me that, uh, hey, Mizzou just hit a shot to go to overtime. And part of me was like, maybe I should go watch overtime. And then another part of me thought, no, I don't want to watch and figure out a way to lose by 12 in a five-minute period. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, But, you know, I, I looked to the fool because then I started getting tweets like, oh, my God, Kim Anderson won. Yeah. The, it, talked about jamming cock in people's butts. You know, I was like, what is going on right now with my Twitter? It's saying <laughs> crazy things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I you know, when when they led by one at halftime, I didn't get too excited because we'd seen that fucking movie a lot, you know, this season where they sure. led at halftime sure. and then just fall apart. And it, they were down by 10 in the second half to Auburn. It looked like the same old story. Uh, they But they somehow managed to fight their way back. A lot of it just came down to they made shots, which is something they've never consistently done, was they made a lot of three-point shots. Yep. They made a lot of clutch shots. I don't know how many games in a row you can expect that to happen. I, I mean, I do think – that there is the benefit of their playing for their coach. They have you. You always got to be weary of a team who has absolutely fucking nothing to lose and don't give a shit. And every every game is gravy. That's a that's scary. But you also wonder at some point will they let down after the big sort of emotional win last night? You know they just they left it all on the floor as idiots say. Um, but uh, so yeah, it's a it's not a game I would ever bet money on. But I wouldn't terribly be surprised if they won. I can't see them well, going. I can't see him going any further made, than, than tonight. You've made the point before that a lot of these kids were the best basketball players in their high school team. And theoretically, they know how to put the ball in the hole. You know what I mean? So it's almost part of me goes, well, they had to get shots at some point. You know? Yeah. At some point, they, they have to go in a little bit more than they have been because as bad as they've played, it's hard to believe they're really this bad. It's yeah. just been a lot of, you know, an ice cold shooting streak for a team that while never going to be great shooters probably shooting worse than they're capable of yeah, the record bad shooting games, and and that was part of the problem where I was getting tired of Anderson. Whereas at least you figured they'd be a fundamentally sound squad if nothing else, and they weren't that. Yeah. So, Colin, uh, I guess let's switch gears for a second because the football spring game is upon us, and Mizzou released their first depth chart of the year. It's not something they did last year at this time, but we got a little early look at who's going to be starting for the. Uh, for the Tigers on their depth chart. And one of the things that came out after that was that uh, Nate Strong had been suspended for uh, violating team rules. It was one of those indefinite suspensions where we don't know what he did. We don't know how long he's going to be gone. But uh, just, a, a, you know, another classic player fuck-up that's keeping him off the roster for well, the time being. 
Yeah. I mean, he's he didn't get kicked off the team, so he obviously didn't put a gun to one of his teammates' heads. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah, that but, happens sometimes. Uh, <laughs> it sure does. But who knows? I, I'm hoping it's just like another weed thing. You know what I mean? Here's something like that. Because I need more anything to do with weed. I'm just like, who cares? Yeah. Who cares? You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. No, I get but, more uh, offended that they get caught with the weed than the fact that they actually had the weed. That's oh, the, I'm much more mad about that. Yeah. Much more mad about that. The other thing I was going to ask you about, Colin, because you have always been a Nate Howard supporter. I saw that he was number two in the depth chart, and I wondered why it, uh, what was up with him that he couldn't even make the uh, top spot on the roster, uh, at least for the spring game. I don't game. know. Maybe, maybe I'm just, I've just fallen in love with the player, but he seemed, you know, when I watched him play, I was like, man, that kid's fast off the ball. And so I've always been about, oh, he's, he's going to be one of these heir parents, one of these guys that's going to step in when, you know, Charles Harris or somebody leaves, and he's going to be the next guy that everybody, nobody knew about that Mizzou's going to turn into an NFL draft prospect. But um, I think the guy in front of him was one of their JUCO move-ins. So, you know, I'm sure part of that, the uh, allure of coming to Mizzou was the opportunity to play right away. So it's not as if Nate Howard can't take that job or may not get snaps, but uh, certainly that might play into it. Who knows? It's, it's so difficult to say this early, but there's one thing we, we uh, did it last year. I'll ask you again. Uh, the black and gold game's coming up in April. Do you think Missouri can win? I'd say there's a good chance. I yeah. feel like there's. That was a good chance. They pulled it out last year, so I'm looking forward to this. The other thing uh, we saw, this is going to shock you, so I hope you're sitting down, Colin. Drew Locke is listed at number one at the quarterback position. Okay. That does blow my hair back a bit. Another thing that's not going to be too shocking, obviously, is uh, Demaria Crockett is listed above Ishwitter now and will be the uh, starter in the 2017 season, barring any, like you said, weed-related activities. Yeah, um, if anything, uh it's bad for Nate Strong. I feel like just watching him run at the end of the season, he could have easily gotten that number two spot if uh, he can keep his fucking nose clean. But uh, obviously, that's been a bridge too far at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's. That, I mean, I don't. After Crockett's season last season, I'd be, uh, my biggest concern for him is can he live up to expectations because he has built them up high. Yes, he did, and and they're going to be looking for him. But I think I, I'm optimistic just because I think our receiving, you know, Drew Locke did a lot with a with a shitty receiving core last year, and if the receiving core is any better, and they're certainly more experienced, then I think that pass threat will certainly give Crockett some opportunities. Yeah, for sure. So it's not like we're Crockett's great, and we're going to be and we're going to be one dimensional. So I mean, the offense, I mean, should give everybody some optimism for the team. Um, the defense is such a question mark at this point. Who knows? But they, you know, just on paper, they look like they ought to be able to score with anybody. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, the the defense now because it looks like our secondary, which we lost a lot of uh, our secondary last year, we're mostly upperclassmen, juniors and seniors in most positions, but at cornerback, safety, uh, both safety positions, actually both cornerback and both safety positions, almost all have sophomores leading, except for Cam Hilton, who is a junior. He is uh, He's at the top of the depth chart at one of the safety positions. But the other three secondary positions, we do have sophomores in the number one spot, which, uh, again, like you said, it either says that they're all sucking or it says that we've got some talent coming up. Uh, Anthony Sherrill's the senior safety is listed at number two. Again, I don't know what it tells us, but, but that's where it looks like our youth will be seeing the field early. In well, the I think game. last year everybody kind of had – expectation for Cheryl to take a step forward and be a better player and he was anonymous. Yeah. And so it does no no shock there that he's not at the top of the depth chart. Yep, and we've got uh, the other thing I guess we should be mentioned is that uh, Blanton, Kendall Blanton is going to be he's out with an injury 
at this point in the uh, he won't be playing at tight end and Jason Reese is the number one spot the senior I like Reese frankly and I think we're we got good depth at that position with both Reese and Blanton now when Blanton gets healthy um, and then is there any word on what what Blanton's injury is anything anything concerning or just a yeah Blanton's got a, an ankle injury I don't think it should be any problem in the fall but he's he underwent surgery fairly recently to repair some torn ligaments in his right ankle um, he's on a boot now but uh, hopefully by fall he'll be okay he's certainly going to miss some practice time though but I, I i don't dislike reese either but he is his biggest problem is he has not been able to stay healthy in either the last two seasons hopefully that uh, blanton can get healthy and we don't have to depend on somebody who has been kind of fragile as of, of, of so far yeah we we also have you know Jamon moore is our senior leading receiver from last year and we've had a lot of problems with Jamon moore and his drops last year but we got a lot of youth coming in i mean uh, demetrius mason is listed as the number one wide receiver as is jonathan johnson who is going to be a sophomore this season so uh, i like the fact that we've got a couple of guys who have a lot of talent and are young and can certainly be playmakers for drew Locke and, and you know, like we said open things up for crockett and even ish. Yeah, and the line is basically the same. Uh, they were young last year. They played well. They're all going to be back and uh, supposedly healthy. So, I mean, the offense, like I said, the offense is, looks good. I mean, I think we'll be at the top of most offensive categories in the SEC, and I hope they don't prove me wrong. But I think it really, I mean, if our defense is just mediocre, we, we, we will compete, I feel like, for the SEC title, or the SEC East title, I should say. I know that seems wildly optimistic, but I'm just going to look at the depth chart going, our offense should be really good. Yeah, and, uh, Brian would you fight know, you on like that. Said, yeah, but I mean, like I said, that, that prediction is all predicated on, again, the, the uh, defense being just being at least serviceable, yeah. which they were not even close to last year. But I think if the offense is as good as we think it is, we could win some shootouts even with a bad defense occasionally, you know, and I'm looking at yeah. the looking at the running back uh, position, and I mentioned Demary Crockett was listed at number one. I, I see an or there. He's listed at or with Witter, but but the one thing that is amazing to me is they have eight uh, running backs listed in the depth chart. They're eight deep now, and of course some of those are redshirt freshmen and freshmen. But uh, but there's no shortage of bodies at the at the tailback position, and uh, yeah. and a lot of them are over 200 pounds, which I think is an indicator of the type of tailback that Barry Odom wants to see in his offense. Well, I mean, just you know, the fact is, is anymore. I don't know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, you for a guy to be really really fast, you usually had to have some sort of young little scat back. But um, as time's gone on, I mean, you get these 200. 20-pound backs and they run a 4-4 or a 4-3-40, and you go, they don't have to get a scat back anymore to get not just the power but the speed. And I think it's, it's just that's as much an indication of just where the game of football is at. Oh, yeah. You know, I, the, the, the you know, refrigerator Perry was a big deal in the 80s for the Bears because he was 300 pounds. And now the entire offensive and defensive lines for every team in college, in the NFL is in college is way over three hundred pounds mostly. Yeah, things have changed rapidly with body types, and certainly Georgia has, has led the charge on those giant backs that can outrun the cornerbacks. Practically, they're just these fast, big guys. Yep. And it's like if you got guys like that, fuck, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, because it's unstoppable force. Another question I guess I have is, you know, the offensive line two years ago was abysmal. They made a lot of improvements, although we've basically 
created our offense around the idea that the offensive line wouldn't be able to hold, but it worked out well. And so if, yeah. if they can at least, you know, stay to form, I think that will help as well. Like, you know, just well, I think that offensive line really turned the page after the Tennessee. I remember watching the, West, the loss to Tennessee and thinking, our offensive line worked Tennessee's defensive line. And from that point forward in the season, I felt like they were not really you know, trying to work around the offensive line and just let the offensive line play. And they were doing a great job. They really seemed to dominate the line of scrimmage in most of those last games. And uh, so I, I have some high hopes for the offensive line to be one of the better lines in the SEC. Going into the spring game coming up, is there any one player, any standout player that you think that people should be on the lookout that might uh, be able to produce well above expectations or take it to the next level for 2017? Well, I would have said before the injury, I would have Blanton would have been my pick to be some sort of like a standout breakout player because he he's big and he's fast and he's got you know arguably the best hands of the team based on just what we've seen so far. And I think uh, a big target like that in the middle of the field for a quarterback like Drew Locke could really be, really be something. But, um, you know, with his injury, who knows? But if he's healthy, you know, Blanton would be my pick to be somebody that, you know, maybe some people are sleeping on. I think most people feel like he's a good football player, but could really become a, you know, a really good and, and key component of our offense. My pick for that, uh, that sort of mantle of surprise player is uh, Marcel Frazier, the senior defensive end. He was sort of overshadowed last year by Charles Harris, but I think he is in a good position this year, provided the defense is one that we chase the quarterback because we don't know what we're going to see with the defense. But if they give him, you know, they sort of cut him loose and let him go after that quarterback, I think Marcel Frazier has the size and the experience that he could be one of the, you know, the sort of the next great D-line zoo type of guy. So that's sort of my guy to watch out for. Yeah, I would. I I can see that for sure. So, Colin, we uh, you know it is the doldrums of uh, college football season, except for the spring game coming up, and and uh, there's not much else to talk about. But we've been planning. We've got in the works a, a an all Kansas episode of the Mazodcast coming up soon. Are you excited about that? I am. I you know we get a little pushback once in a while. You guys are obsessed with Kansas. I'm like, yeah, because fuck Kansas. Yeah, well, they're the worst. You know, you know, yeah, because because fuck them. So you know, I under, I get it. I get it. Lots of places are awful. Yeah. No place is more awful than Kansas, and uh, no no uh, program is more chicken shit. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, they deserve our ire. It's not just the, the the program of the Kansas Jayhawks. It's really the entire state is a fucking cesspool and just an embarrassment to the United States of America in general. And sure. it's yeah, it's awful. Absolutely. And, you know, after our feel-good win at basketball last night, I saw a couple of Kansas fans that said, you know, Missouri's been down, and even as a Jayhawk fan, I say, good for you. You guys needed that win. And I read that, and I thought uh, to myself, oh, go fuck yourself, asshole, fucking prick. (laughs) And every good Mizzou fan should. Stick it up your fucking ass, as our good friend Kim Anderson would say. Um, (laughs) A nice gesture and a kind overture of of supporting us to the win. It made me think, you know, go fuck you, fall in a fucking manhole. <laughs> well, I wouldn't expect anything else. Yeah. So, all right, until then, Colin, I don't think uh, there's anything else we need to cover just yet. I'm sure we've left a few topics off the table, but you've always got the uh, Press Box Super Friends to fill in the gaps. Meanwhile, back with the Press Box Super Friends. At that point, I guess all we have left to say is uh, let's go watch the rest of the SEC tournament and uh, M-I-Z. Z-O-U.
stick it up their fucking ass.